Turn with me in your Bible to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 15, please. It's been a few years since I preached from this text. Uh, Ten years to be exact. I was a bit surprised by that. It was 2013. And let me say by way of introduction that dogs in the Scriptures is a common term used by the first century Jews in reference to the Gentiles. The Lord from the cross in Psalm chapter 22 said, For dogs have compassed or compassed me, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me, they pierced my hands and my feet. And this was the Lord referring to the Roman Gentile soldiers who like a pack of dogs surrounded our Lord at the foot of the cross. And metaphorically speaking, dogs in the Bible resent or represent worthless, vile, and offensive sinners. The prophet Zephaniah compares wicked sinners to wild dogs, hyenas, who devour their prey and leave nothing at all for the next day. Hungry for more. Ezekiel said that Jerusalem's princes, leaders, were like wild dogs, ravening the prey to shed blood and destroy souls. Our Lord said, don't give that which is holy to the dogs. Neither throw your pearls before the swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Paul was quick to remind believers to beware of dogs, for they were evil doers and false believers, Philippians 3.2. Peter said that sinners are like dogs who return to their vomit, and swine that is washed returning to the mud, meaning that by nature, every man and woman is self-defiling. And this so accurately expresses the filthy nature of sin signified by vomit, mire, and dirt. We are fitly, properly compared to dogs and swine who cannot be otherwise unless our natures are changed and altered by God Himself. As soon as we eat the defilement of sin and regurgitate it, we return to eat it again. And as soon as we're washed from the mire and the dirt representing the filthiness of sin, we are quick to return to the filth again. So I hope that this introduction gives you some idea of what we are by nature. By birth, nature, and practice, we are dogs. Do you find that offensive? I hope not. Because that's who the Lord came to save. He came to save sinners, dogs. In the Scriptures, the Lord associates dogs with pigs, murderers, idolatry, witchcraft, prostitutes, violence, evil, worthlessness, foolishness, greed, deception, and even sinful religious leaders who love to destroy the souls of innocent people. And there's not one verse in the Bible that speaks of dogs in a positive way, but there are over 50 verses putting dogs in a negative light. 
as jackals, wild dogs, wolves, hyenas, and other canines. Now I'm endeavoring to make the point to you of how a dog is seen in our Lord's day because I want us to better understand what our Lord was saying here in Matthew chapter 15 to this Canaanite woman whom He called a dog. Remember Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son, he referred to himself not only as a dog, but as a dead dog. And I suppose if there's anything considered less than a dog in the Bible, it'd be a dead dog. And yet... Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, came unto King David. He fell on his face and he did reverence, saying, What is thy servant, speaking of himself, that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I? That was Mephibosheth's opinion and assessment of himself. And friends, it takes a miracle of God's grace, a divine revelation from God to show us what He showed Mephibosheth. Okay, Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan, a Gentile dog, came out of the same coast and cried unto Him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But He, the Lord Jesus, answered her not a word. And His disciples came and besought Him, the Lord, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But He answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It's not meat, it's not fit, it's not right or proper to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dog eat of the crumbs which fall from the Master's table. You know, when this woman of Canaan came to the Lord Jesus, He didn't even acknowledge her. He answered her not a word. And it wasn't that He didn't hear her. And it wasn't that He despised her person or petition. Well, why then? Well, to see how bad she wanted her request to try her faith and her importunity. This woman was a Gentile dog. That's what the Jews believed they were. And it's obvious from the reaction of the disciples who were Jews that that was the case. In verse 23, they said, Send her away. She crieth after us. But she followed them everywhere they went. <laughs> she wouldn't be denied. There was no getting rid of her. The first thing the Lord informed her of was just that. She was a Gentile dog, unworthy of a response, not of the house of Israel. The Lord was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Look back a couple pages to, to Matthew chapter 10. Hold your place in 15 and we'll come right back to it. But in Matthew chapter 10, verse 5, 
we read these twelve, speaking of the twelve apostles, Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, now look what He commanded them, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You see, the Lord's personal mission was to go to the Jews. It was the divine purpose of God for Christ to keep the law blameless. He had to in order to be our perfect righteousness. And if Christ had taken the message of the gospel to the Gentiles, at least at this point in time, he would have disobeyed God, his father, and offended the law of God. It was only when the Jews turned their backs on Christ and crucified him that the handwriting of ordinances were nailed to the cross and that wall of partition between Jews and Gentiles was broken down. And it was after our Lord's death that the Great Commission bade all His disciples, Jew and Gentile alike, to go into all the world and preach the Gospel to every creature. Not just Israel alone, but the whole world. But that couldn't occur at this time. Now, back in Matthew chapter 15, verse 24... The Lord tells this poor sinner just that. He said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But this Gentile dog would not be denied nor ignored. In Mark's account, it says that the Lord entered into a house and would have no man know it. But he could not be hid because this woman had followed them. She saw him go into the house. It says, for a certain woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him. She heard of him and came and fell at his feet. Then here in verse 25 of Matthew 15, we read, Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Now that's called importunity. The word importunity means persistence, even to the point of annoyance. She was annoying. I had someone tell me just this week that he didn't believe that there was any need to pray about something more than once. He said, after all, the Lord heard us the first time. Well, actually, the Lord heard us before we asked. But that doesn't keep us from asking again and again. In Luke chapter 11, the Lord Himself talked about importunity. It's the only time the word's used in all the Scriptures. I won't turn you there, but the Lord gives us a, an illustration with a parable. And, and allow me to paraphrase. He says, if you go to a friend at midnight and you ask him to borrow bread because you have another friend that's coming from a far place to visit you unexpectedly and you don't have anything to offer him to eat or to give him to eat. So you go to your friend's house, regardless of the hour, you knock on the door and you tell him that. And you hear your friend from inside the house say, hey man, it's late. Uh, I'm in bed, my children are asleep, the house is all locked up, the security system is all set, and I can't give you any bread. Now remember, this is your friend. And it says with men there is a there's a limit 
to what we can ask of them that they're willing to do. But this is what the Lord said word for word. He said, though he will not arise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of importunity, persistence to the point of annoyance, he will rise and give him as many, speaking of the loaves of bread, as he needed. And then the Lord said, So I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. I would say that encourages importunity, wouldn't you? Even though mere friendship would not influence this man to rise, to wake up, to rise, to give him at this inconvenient time what he needs, this man's persistence surely would get him up. And this shows the force of importunity. Even when the fear of God and the regard of man have no influence, as they should, perseverance and seeking help and mercy and grace with earnestness will prevail. This woman was ignored by the Lord. The disciples petitioned Christ to send her away. Do you know what most of us would have done? Well, we would have got our feelings hurt or offended and got mad. But not this woman. No. She came and she worshipped the Lord. She with importunity came and begged for help. And it was then that the Lord added insult to injury. Verse 26. But He answered and said, It's not meat, it's not fit to take the children's bread and to cast it to a dog. Well, this woman was most desperately resolved. She would not leave without the blessing. She was out... She, she came out of love for her child. She was not seeking a blessing for herself. She was seeking a blessing for her daughter. And if the Lord healed her daughter, that'd be a blessing to her too. Because she said, Lord, help us. And it, it's here that we see the first of five things that God's dogs will do. I titled this message, Every Dog Has Its Day. First, she took sides with God against herself. That's something all God's dogs do. They take sides with God against themselves. The Lord Jesus said, I, I won't help you because you're a dog. I've already told you why I came. I've already told you who I can help. And you're not one of them. I came for the children of Israel. It's not right for me to take their bread, the children's bread, and cast it to a dog. And she agrees that he is right. She knew that it was lawful for the king of kings to do what he will with his own. Truth, Lord, she said. You just told the truth. I'm a dog. I agree with you wholeheartedly. A dog is what I am. In Mark's account, she said, Yes, Lord. Full agreement. I'm taking sides with you against me. How many people today do that? No, they'll be quick to fly hot and start defending themselves. 
But she said, I'm taking sides with you against me. I agree with you. There's no argument. There's no controversy. There's no opposition with Christ. Truth, Lord, yes, Lord, is her only answer to Him. The natural heart rebels against the Scriptures, what the Scriptures say about it. The Scriptures say the whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. And the child of God says, True, Lord, I agree with that. The heart is deceitful. The Scripture says the heart's deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who can trust it? And the believer says, Yes, Lord, that's exactly right. We've sinned against light and knowledge. We are infinitely worse than even what we perceive. We deserve condemnation and damnation. We're ruined and we are utterly ruined. And we take sides with God and say, Truth, Lord. Yes, Lord. That's correct. That's correct. And it's here that we have the second thing. Even dogs get the crumbs. And those crumbs are enough. The Canaanite dog says, Yet, but, regardless of all that, and I agree with all of it, the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. The dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs Mark in Mark's account. She said, I know I'm a Gentile dog. I know it's not right to take the children's bread and give it to a dog like me. I agree with that. I know that I don't deserve it. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yet, but a single crumb that falls from your bountiful table is more than enough and all that I need. A woman doesn't say the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the table. She says the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. What she is saying here is, Lord, You're my master. You're my master. She's saying I'll always follow You like a dog follows their master. That brings us to the third thing. Christ is all and in all to His dogs. You know, uh, I don't know if you've ever had a stray dog follow you. We had one show up at the house one time. Wound up, I told the kids, don't show that dog any attention. Don't give that dog, whatever you do, don't give that dog anything to eat. I don't want that dog around here. They went off to school. And what did I do? I gave him something to eat, went out and bought him a bed to sleep on. And it was the best dog I ever had. Edgar was his name. <laughs> but Christ is all in all to his dogs. And as a stray dog picks up with a stranger and follows him home, I'm telling you, you can shut the door on them. You can, uh, but if they've taken you to be their master, you can shut every door and they'll wait for you on the doormat. You can kick them to the street, but they'll wait in the street for you to come out. And then they'll follow you wherever you go. Is that not our case as the master's dogs? God's dogs have never stopped following their master and coming to Him. Never. They follow at the heels of mercy. 
They bow and crouch at their Master's feet. Grace falls down to dogs. From where? From above. From the throne of mercy. From the table of bounty. From the Master's table. Who holds to the life preserver the tightest? The one who's most afraid of drowning. There's no scarlet sin which Christ's blood cannot wash away. We hold to Him with a death grip. And and when we do, we can by no means perish. Every good and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of His own will, God's own will, beget He us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of firstfruits of His creatures. And that, my friends, includes dogs. Just a few verses before, in verse 7, James wrote, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. Let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. You know what James is talking about here? He's talking about importunity. Importunity in faith, not wavering. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to believe Him now. I'm going to believe Him tomorrow. I'm going to believe Him forever if he, with His help. And what happens when a sinner, a dog, asks for something in faith? James says, it shall be given them. The fourth thing that God does for all His dogs is this. God's dogs get comfort out of their misery. The Lord called her a dog. She agreed. Yes, I'm a dog. But the dogs eat the crumbs from the Master's. She could see the silver lining in the black cloud. Um, The Lord threw her a bone and she cracked it open and got marrow out of it. She could see that silver lining. She was saying, I will gladly be a dog because I shall get crumbs. She draws waters of comfort from the deep well of misery. We've broken God's law, friends. We've offended Him. We're nothing but sinners. And this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He came into the world to save dogs. You remember that movie? I think it was a cartoon. All dogs go to heaven. All real dogs do. All God's dogs do. If I'm a sinner, a dead dog sinner, as my pastor used to say, I can have comfort in knowing that I am of the kind that Christ came to save. The Lord didn't come to seek those who didn't want seeking. Christ did not come as the great shepherd to find those that were already in the fold. He came to seek those that had gone astray. And what did He do when He found them? He put them on His shoulder and brought them into the fold. Grace and mercy are undeserved. We say that all the time. You know it's so. It ceases to be grace and mercy if it's deserved. 
Mr. Spurgeon once told the story of a beggar who knocked at his door clothed in rags. And Mr. Spurgeon gave him some money, some of his clothes, uh, and a pair of shoes. And the man put them on and he went away happily. And just a little bit later, Mr. Spurgeon had to run an errand and he went out and he saw that same man with those old ragged clothes back on. And he thought, why? And then he realized that the man, the more ragged that he looked, the more charity he'd get. And it's the same with you and I. If we are to come to Christ we don't put on our good works of so-called righteousness. Our ruin is our plea for mercy. Our poverty is our plea for godly charity. Our need is our motive for the great physician. Go and let your misery plead for you. On the battlefield, those who are wounded the worst get the immediate and urgent care of the physician. One with a finger shot off would not get the immediate attention of one who had no legs. We come to Christ as lost and ruined dogs. We make the very wants and the needs the very argument as to why the Lord of mercy should show mercy to us. That's what this woman did. And because of that, she received mercy. And that brings me to the fifth. And final thing, every dog, God's dogs, has its day in a good way. That worldly idiom, that's what we call it, uh, means that everyone will, I looked it up, it means that everyone will be successful or lucky at some time in their life. This is said often to encourage someone at a time when they're not having any success or luck. <laughs> well, worldly success is way overrated. And there is no such thing as luck. There's not. It all comes by the sovereign providence of God. But all God's dogs, every single one of them, will have their day. How so? First she heard. Somewhere, someone had told her about the Lord Jesus. Why, well, He's one who heals every disease. There's no disease that He can't heal. Well, we've seen blind eyes given sight. We've seen deaf ears hear. We've seen lame feet and legs walk. We've seen the dead risen. He's healed all kinds of and manners of disease. And she thought to herself, this must be the Messiah. But this woman had been brought up as a heathen, as a, a Gentile dog. The Messiah was for the children of Israel. The Lord had made that clear. But her and her false gods had failed her. She tried her priests, but they couldn't help her. She'd had many difficulties. She was a Canaanite. She was a Gentile dog. But she had no doubt been awake, made aware of the words of Isaiah that said, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, and him shall the Gentiles trust. 
And she thought, there's hope for me. I'm a Gentile dog, but there's hope for me. I'll trust in Him. I'm going to go to Him. And I'm not going to be denied. If He tells me no, I'll like Bartimaeus cry all the more, Lord, have mercy upon me. Are you hearing me, dear sinner? That's what we do. The dip, there, there's no difficulty in bringing Christ to a sinner to save a sinner. There's none. The difficulty is bringing the sinner to trust in Christ. The truth is this. There's nothing between the Savior and salvation but ourselves. The difficulty is with us. The road to Christ, the city of refuge, has been kept clear of debris. Christ has leveled every mountain. He's filled every valley. He's made the road clear for you to the very throne of God. The difficulty is not with God, but with you and with me. So first she heard that every dog who has Christ as their master will be received and fed. Isn't that good news? Secondly, she believed. She believed what she heard. Do you believe what you're hearing? All God's dogs will believe. They've been made to believe in the day of His power. Thirdly, she came. Every sinner, every dog will come to Christ in the day of His power. Our Lord said, no man, no sinner, no dog comes to the Father but by me. So then I've got, being the dead dog that I am, I've got to get to Him in order to be brought to God. Fourthly, she would not be denied. She was ignored. She was kicked. The door was shut on her. But she was persistent and she would not go away. She waited on her Master to show her mercy. Fifthly, she agreed with God against herself. She took God's side, even if it was against her. She confesses to what she was, a dog. She bowed to Christ as her master. Her mourning was turned to joy. Her sorrow was turned to laughing. Salvation and deliverance was hers. This is how all God's dogs come to Christ. This is how God saves sinners. What did the Lord say of this dog? Verse 28. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, He didn't call her a dog then. O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. This is a gospel story. This is my story. I'm a dog. But I'm God's dog. And every dog has its day in a good way. You know, every day is a good day when we have Christ as our Master. Brother Scott Richardson once said, I haven't heard any bad news since I heard the good news. And we haven't had any bad day since the day the Lord saved us. Do you see what this woman saw? Do you see that you're a dog? If so, be of good cheer. Let your misery be turned to comfort because even the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumb that fall 
from the master's table. God's dogs never go hungry. The crumbs that fall from Christ, the master's table, are handfuls of purpose from the kinsman redeemer himself. I'm blessed to be God's dog. I am. And so are you if you're one of his. May God be pleased to make it so for his glory, our good, and for Christ's sake.